Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the SL Schmidt Annual Report 2017. Today, I'm pleased to present CEO Thomas Schultz and Group CFO Lars Vestergaard. For the first part of this call, all participants will be in a listen-only mode, and afterwards there will be a question and answer session. As a reminder, this call is being recorded. Speakers, please begin. Hello, everybody, wherever you are in the world. I welcome you to our company's Effel Schmidt Annual Report 2017. At first, the highlights. We had a revenue and EBITDA as expected out of a quite healthy cost structure. The highest book to bill within five years with a solid free cash flow and a strong capital structure. We propose a dividend of eight kroner per share. On the negative side, we had quite an impact from financial items, tax and discontinued activities. The market outlook, we clearly can say in mining from trough to growth with a stable outlook for cement and a good momentum in our service activities. The guidance is 18 to 20 billion DKK for the revenue and 8 to 10 percent on the EBITDA margin. Before we go into all the special things for the year and for the quarter, it is always important to think and to focus on the safety. Safety performance for us is very important. We enjoyed since 2012 quite an improvement on the LTIFR in our company. We were in 16 down to one and a half, but the year 2017 throughout showed actually a deterioration of the target and of that what we called lost time injuries. With a result of 1.8, we are not satisfied. It means we took already throughout the year counteracting activities like increasing the hours of safety training per employee. The target for 2018 will be 1.3 or less. And that's the change. In the future, we will change to the TRIFR, which is the total recordable injury frequency rate, which includes all medical treated injuries in addition to the lost time. Now to the year 2017 and for the year 2018. You see on that slide that we since 2012 quite got through a journey. This is typical in the mining and in the cement industry, which is very, very cyclical. In that case, we came out of a quite significant cycle, capacity cycle. We implemented efficiency program, divisional strategies with reorg. We divested business or started to divest business, and we took corrective actions for that, how we are set up. In total, we can say that we today have an optimized cost structure with a strong balance sheet. Our underlying business is quite good in shape. We see a recovery in mining and we are well prepared with the competence, innovation, digitalization and the setup what we have as a productivity provider into cement as well as in minerals. We are not stopping to develop the company for growth, for sustainable, profitable growth. But we did a lot, my organization, our organization did a lot in the last few years during that recession to position Effel Schmidt in top leading functions in cement as well as in minerals. One part of it is innovation. 
This time, we would like to show you actually not only an innovation of a new product, it is more. It's standardization, modularization, procurement improvement, energy improvement. It's a standardization of a very much known design. It's the ONK mill. The OK mill, we sold more than 150 times as fine grinding, cement grinding into the market in the last few years. What does it mean? There's grinding before the kiln and after the kiln. After the kiln is the cement grinding, the fine grinding. Before the mill, we have now a standardized, based on the fine grinding mill, a new raw grinding mill, the OK raw mill. You see on that picture, the world's largest vertical roller mill ever built and installed and working fantastically, outperforming expectations. That is the start of the OK raw mill sale, what you have. What does it mean? It means you can use quite a lot of parts for both type of mills, which reduce your inventory, which reduce your maintenance, which reduce your training hours, which reduce any complexity for automating digitalization. And on top of it, up to 10% lower power consumption. This is, again, a landmark what we place, in that case, into the cement industry. Now into the financial figures for 2017. You see that we had 54% of our revenue out of the minerals business with a 10.4% EBITDA. And out of that, of course, 46% revenue out of the cement business with 5.9% EBITDA. The EBITDA at the end of the year for cement increased. And this will be most likely the highest revenue percentage of cement industry throughout the cycle, what we will see, because mining is through the trough. On the right side, you see the split between our service versus capital business. And for the last few quarters, we moved between 55 and 60 percent share of the after sales or service business against capital. If we then look into the service business more in detail, we have a good momentum in the total service business. You see that the quarter four, 2017, actually outperformed the quarter four in 2016 by 7%, uh, by 3%, sorry. In these 3%, there are 5, 6% currency effect on top of it. So it was actually quite a good quarter as order intake for all total service activities. The whole year is up 7%. On the right side, you see the revenue. The revenue is, of course, especially in the total service business, a relatively fast result out of the order intake, what you got before. Quarter on quarter, we have a minus 10%. And we compare here with the strongest quarter in 2016, the quarter four, which was for years by far the best one. But year on year with a 4% growth. You can imagine organically it's looking better. Now into the different divisions and how we see the total order intake. Mining is through the trough. It's through the trough in a moderate way. We see moderate growth in front of us and we promised actually in 2000, at the beginning of 2017 that the second half of 2017 will be better for order intake in minerals than the first half and we fulfilled that. The base order intake in Q4 was on a reasonable good level over the 4 billion plus one large order out of cement. 
the whole year was 6% up. If we look into the order intake Q4 2017 versus Q4 2016 by division, organically, customer service 15% up, minerals 29% up, salmon 25% up. And there we have 8% down on the product companies. That means three out of the four divisions had actually quite a good order intake year and order intake quarter. Product companies couldn't uh, replace or redo what we had at the end of 16 with larger project business out of environmental technology in the product company division. That explains that we have a drop there in the order intake. If we then look into the market outlook, let us start with the cement. Cement is, as we say for several quarters, selected opportunities, huge regional differences. We have countries like the Philippines, Vietnam, Pakistan, actually now India too, with quite a good cement outlook, quite a good cement business. Of course, a lot of other countries, the majority is not in the same shape. We see clearly that for premium orders, the tenders are on a lower level from the amount, but we get a fairly high share out of it. Based on that, or base for that, is of course then an intense competition with margin pressures. If we then look into the processing, into the minerals, into the mining part, there is clearly more optimism in the mining industry. We see that there is slowly starting more capex coming into order intake and we saw that the miners are starting to add more capex as an outlook to spend into their forecast, into their budget. So it's overall a positive outlook. This positive outlook is uh, proven by the development of the commodity prices how some early indicating companies with mobile equipment in the mine site perform already for several quarters. And last but not least, what we hear from our customers, as well as the amount of inquiries and quotations which are going around. Important to say is that the after sales, the OPEX related spend is still increasing. It's still on a good momentum and it's about optimizing what customers have. This Customer focus on productivity, the thing where we position the company for years, is very important for the future, not only in cement and mining too. And with that, I would like to give to Lars, our CFO. Thank you, Thomas. And uh, I'll start with uh, presenting the full year numbers, and then after that, I will go into the quarterly numbers. So the first thing is the business is in good shape. Our service business is up. The mining capex outlook is looking better. You can see we have implemented the corrective actions quite successfully at the end of last year and the beginning of this year. Procurement and value engineering activities keeps the gross margin process up. So all in all, we are quite pleased with where we end 2017. If you look into order intake, we ended the year 1 billion higher than order revenue, which of course indicates that we are starting to get into a growth phase again. Gross margin was up slightly compared to the year before. EBITDA margin was up from 7.1% to 8.4%. So all in all, we are very pleased with the development down to EBITDA and the outlook for the coming years. And now we turn into the, what you can say, uh, more challenging parts of our P&L. Uh, financial costs, we had 311 million in cost this year. 
that's not a good result. We're not pleased with this development. Uh, in that uh, number, we have uh, 70 million of fair value adjustments of some shares. These shares we bought uh, many years ago, or we got as part of a big uh, seven deal uh, many years ago. They have increased a lot in value, and they decreased in value in 2017. So this is more a paper loss than anything else. If you look into the financial, uh, the FX line, we have some uh, currencies where we have uh, we have money tied up where we can't get them out, and these have uh, have uh, given us a loss in uh, in 2017. Uh, if you look into 2018, we expect this number to be, uh, be considerably lower. If we then turn to the tax line, we have, as many other companies, uh, tax assets in U.S. The tax rate went from 35% down to 21%, and if you use these, uh, these rates to, on our tax asset, then uh, you get a loss of around 105 million. On top of that, we had in Angola and Germany some tax assets that we uh, had to write down. That gave us another uh, 74 million of uh, tax cost. If you adjust for these, our tax rate is uh, 29%, which is also the, the level we see for 2018. Then we have discontinued operations. Uh, again, in the fourth quarter, or in the full year, we took uh, quite substantial provisions, in particular for one large uh, legacy project, uh, so that's now fully provided for. Uh, that will give us a cash out in the beginning of uh, in the first half of 2018. Uh, but all in all, uh, we now believe we are provided for all the project risk we have in discontinued operations. Uh, and now uh, the volatility we should see from this line will come from the disposal of this business. If we then turn into the cash flow statement, uh, we ended the year uh, with strong cash flows. Uh, so. Uh, CFFO was uh, 1 billion and 65 million, uh, a little bit lower than uh, the year before. The year before, we had very good uh, developments in networking capitals. We were not able to repeat that in uh, 2017. But overall, we're quite pleased with the development in cash flow in the last part of the year. If we then go into revenue, we went from uh, 5.5 billion last year into 4.9 billion this year. Uh, last year, as you can see on the, the right-hand chart, we had a very strong end in the two capital divisions, and in particular in cement, with very high revenue. Uh, these we did not repeat uh, this year. On the other hand, our product companies were higher, uh, and customer service was uh, stable in, uh, in the fourth quarter. If we turn into gross profit, we increased by 1.5% in the, the fourth quarter. That 1.5% comes mainly from mix, if you look into uh, the four divisions, uh, good, uh, good numbers in customer service, good numbers in minerals, uh, and I think we should still be very proud about what our minerals colleagues are doing with 18% in, uh, in a market that have been that much under pressure. In cement, we increased uh, a little bit. Uh, it has been a couple of years with uh, very low margins in cement, and we're working hard to, to get that up with a lot of value engineering, procurement initiatives, uh, and so on. If you then look into product companies, it's down 4%. Uh, these 4% can be explained by the mix between capital and service business. We had quite high service, like capital business in the fourth quarter, uh, and uh, this is in particular in an environmental uh, control. And if you uh, clean up for these uh, mix effects, the underlying margins in the various segments are very much in line with, uh, with the parts, so no, uh, no concerns in, uh, in, these, in this drop in margin. 
admin cost, if you look uh, at the whole year 2017, you can see we are a step down from 2016. Uh, we had a bit of facing between uh, third quarter and fourth quarter, which we will continue to have. Uh, but all in all, uh, the level is substantially lower than, uh, than 16. In 17, we will increase sales cost a little bit, and, uh, and that will drive the line up in 2017. If we then go into the EBITDA uh, line, we went from 7.7 .7, uh, last year, uh, 2016, to 9.4 in 2017. If you look at uh, what's driving the development, we had less one-offs, we had higher gross margin, we then had lower, uh, higher SG&A costs, uh, and then uh, the big effect comes from lower revenue than the year before. Networking capital went down to 10.2%. Uh, and our target is to be below 10% at any point in time, so we got a lot closer to, uh, to this target. And what's uh, quite important is that uh, the long-term receivables went down considerably over the year 2017. So we have a lot less risk on, uh, on the balance sheet than we had uh, the year before. And... The capital structure, this is a picture that I'm very pleased with. We, uh, we have an equity ratio of uh, 36%. The debt, net debt went down to 1.5 billion. Net debt to EBITDA uh, is at 0.9%. Uh, so all in all, the numbers look pretty good. We know that we will have cash outflows in uh, the first half of 2018. So the likelihood is that net debt will come a little bit up in the beginning of 18. But of course, we expect uh, it uh, to generate positive free cash flow uh, in the total of 2018. Then return on capital employed, we went up to 10.4%. Uh, the improvement comes from a combination of lower capital employed and higher EBITDA. And if you look at what we're trying to do, uh, we're trying to grow our top line by investing in more salespeople to capture more of the market. We're going to invest more in R&D and digitalization in 2018, which will drive growth, and the market is coming back. That higher market will drive higher EBITDA through operating leverage. We will continue to focus on cash, and in particular on working capital, to drive that down. So all in all, uh, that is what we're trying to do to get our return on capital employed up. And then back to you, Thomas. Thank you, Lars. So... What is uh, the KPI set for the management agenda? For several quarters, we say customer cost and cash. And you see here the set on the left side on the slide, um, how the different KPIs perform. Actually, beside the LTIFR, the safety, we are everywhere in the right direction. What we would like to mention here quite positively, we achieved the highest what we call delivery in full on time, the DIFOT, which is a quality measurement of our performance towards our customers, the highest level since we are working with that KPI. And a big thank you to my organization for that. In a year which we would see as uh, for minerals and as a trough year, and for uh, cement, actually, as a quite challenging regarding the intense pricing competition. The strategic focus areas are, as communicated, especially long-term, to be or to get the productivity provider number one. And that is only possible when you focus on customer, when you have innovation, 
when digitalization is not a project, when digitalization is a new way of working, when you understand digitalization as the biggest opportunity for the future. That is based on our people and our way, our sustainable way of working. That is what we did a lot in the last four or five years in very, very tough times. And that gives us a quite strong belief that in the times when business comes back, it will happen more. We will not stop with that. So for short term, it's growth. And the growth is in the wear parts, as we said on the Capital Market Day. And we have good success in that. It's to grow our products around the world, to bring them into all what we call white spots. That means areas where we are not offering everything what we can offer to our clients. Standardization is, of course, an essential part of it. It makes life easier for our customers. And that is what they like because it brings them more profitability, which pays for us off in the long term. Now to the guidance. We realized in 2017 an 18 billion DKK revenue with a guidance 17 to 19. And for 2018, we have a guidance 18 to 20. And this guidance reflects what we see in the market with a stable, continuous cement business, with a moderate improving minerals business, and of course with a foreign exchange rate uh, situation, what we had in the last few months. That is in it. But especially with the foreign exchange rate, we have to have a clear view on that. Then on the EBITDA margin, we achieved an 8.4 and we guide 8 to 10 percent. In that 8 to 10 percent is, of course, included investments, for example, for digitalization and the innovation part. The return on capital employed, we were a little bit out of the guidance, above with 10.4, and the guidance for 18 is 10 to 12 percent. So, the year 2017, mining was the trough here. We are through, cement stable. We have a solid free cash flow, a strong capital structure. We propose eight kroner uh, per share. And we guide 18 to 20 billion DKK on revenue and an EBITDA margin 8 to 10 percent. And we had a negative impact out of financial items, tax and discontinued activities. With that, I would like to give back to the moderator um, for Q&A. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do have an audio question for the speakers, please press 01 on your telephone keypad and you will enter the queue. After you are announced, please ask your question. And our first question comes from the line of Christian Johansen from Danske Bank. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Yes, thank you. So uh, a couple of questions on, on your guidance. Uh, first of all, if, if you look at 2017, you, uh, as you, you write on your, your slide here, posted 8.4% EBITDA margin. If you adjust for the one-offs, you're at 8.9. So if we take the lower end of your 18 guidance, you indicate a similar revenue level as 18, uh, sorry, as 17, but a margin which is almost one percentage point lower. Uh, is this, I mean, what, what drives this lower level of earnings? Is that all related to these investments in digitalization and innovation? It is, um, of course, uh, at first, thank you, Christian. Um, 
It is, of course, related with um, what we communicated before, some investments into digitalization. Then we know if we move into um, more capital business versus service business, there you get a, a slight product mix effect that all is calculated in. So, so there is some, some mix effects as well. Yeah, actually, the main effect is the innovation and the digitalization part to, to make to be very outspoken. That's the main effect. You saw that um, we are quite vocal about that, what we bring to the market. It's actually only in the, the peak of the iceberg. We do a lot, and it's necessary uh, when you go into a productivity-driven cycle, most likely two cycles, that you have that um, investment uh, into innovation and R&D, as well as the more and more growing and way of working in digitalization, where you have to invest too. And then actually on the third priority, it's more that slight uh, product mix change. Okay, that's that's quite clear. Thank you. So, so my second question is more on the the other end of guidance, the the 20 uh, billion revenue and the 10% margin, uh, and, and especially in relation to the minerals division. So obviously we've seen an increasing order intake, but we haven't seen any larger orders within the minerals. Uh, to to get to the 20 billion revenue, uh, do you need to get larger order in, or what are some of the underlying assumptions? Here? Yeah, at, at first, uh, and that's not an excuse, FX will have a game in it, to, to make that clear, when we talk about revenue guidance. Uh, if we go to the higher end of the guidance, of course, an uh, uh, optimized market environment is important, that's clear. And if it comes to minerals, these are larger projects. Um, no matter what we achieve as a large order in 18 or not, it will not really have the impact if at all an impact on the revenue or revenue guidance for 18. But we see that more product sales goes into mining. So more capital on smaller amount, not large projects, are going into mining. And from order intake into revenue, that is significant shorter. So if the market develops more positively than we see as the middle line for it, then, of course, we come to the higher part of the guidance if exchange rate will not make uh, us a problem in it. Okay, that, that's quite clear. And, and, and just on your last comment on exchange rate, can you just um, quantify what is the exchange rate impact on your guidance rate? Yeah, so I mean the guidance is made on uh, on the exchange rates we have today. Uh, and uh, and if, of course, if you look into how big impact uh, it has, it's, uh, it's a very big number if you take... Uh, today's exchange rate and convert 17 revenue in, in local currency into to today's, uh, then you would have a, a headwind of, uh, of more than 500 billion uh, Danish. So, uh, so it is a very uh, substantial number that we will, be, we will have as a headwind from, uh, from currencies. But the, but the 18 to 20 is based on the rates we have today. Okay, that's, uh, that's very clear. That's all for me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Klaus Alma from Nordea. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thank you. Yeah, also a few questions from my side. Uh, in the annual report, you, you write that slow growth and stable pricing but acceleration in the following years. How will that play out within the individual uh, divisions? That will be the first question. 
Hi, Klaus. Um, at first, when we look into the mining part, we were very vocal about that when mining recovers, it will start with a moderate growth, with a slow growth. That is what we see. And you actually can control that and verify that by looking how much CapEx spent more for next year's out of the whole mining industry versus 2017. You see it's not booming out there, but it is the first time for several years a higher predicted or budgeted CapEx spend. <coughs> then we look into that where the, the spend is. The, the first happened one and a half year roughly ago um, to the, like, for companies like Atlas, Caterpillar or Sanfic on the mobile equipment in the mine side. The next phase we see more on the mit minerals material handling that is moving material. And the third phase is then in processing the material. So we, ha we had an acquisition in November, as you know, which exactly targets that uh, step of, um, of the industry and the step of that technology, where we have quite a hope and quite a lot of inquiries and activities in the market already. And that uh, is, of course, in the minerals division, because that uh, whole business, capital business, reports into the minerals division if it comes to minerals material handling. Then the acceleration into 19 and on, uh, forward on, um, that is typical mining. It starts slow and then year on year it gets more and more and then you see larger orders coming and getting more larger orders until it peaks and I will not talk about it more, but anytime it will go down again. So be better prepared for that. Uh, yeah, we will do. Uh, just note, uh, another question to, 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 to this. Uh, how, how do you see the risk that uh, you have a, let's say, a vacuum between the large orders starting to materialize and uh, maybe a replacement uh, service orders um, losing some momentum? Yeah, the, um, of course, we have a low end of the guidance, and that is, uh, beside the FX, of course, the other argument for the low point of the, of the guidance. We see actually not a high risk, but you never know to, to make it like that, and it's enough if things are dragging out. But we are, when we look into the guidance, we are not talking in the revenue guidance to have a lot of large order revenue in it. It is already the smaller orders what we generated and had a growth rate of close to 80% in quarter three and close to 30% in quarter four on the minerals division. We see it in the product company division uh, that uh, the equipment what we supply into the minerals industry, it starts slowly to move into more and more uh, capital sales versus uh, aftermarket sales. So the signs are all in the, in the right direction. And dragging out of large orders, I have to say large orders, um, uh, it's very difficult to predict, but there are more talks out, there are more uh, feasibility and brief feasibility studies ongoing, there are more inquiries, there is more positive sentiment on the miners. That is what we reflect in, in that guidance too. And of course it should also uh, uh, be said that we have uh, made the guidance based on higher sales costs, so we have... Uh, have and are investing a, a number of money into uh, to driving service sales into areas where we are not uh, present with uh, with a high market share, as well as driving more cap uh, product sales. Uh, there in the product companies, we are also adding more salespeople. So, uh, so there will be higher sales costs that will drive higher product and service sales. Okay, and then just a final question, which goes to the cash flow. You had a very nice uh, cash flow uh, in 2017. 
and with at least the uh, same profitability and hopefully some orders coming in with some prepayment. How should we think about uh, cash flow in 2018? X M&A, obviously. Uh, <clears throat> it's clear that we uh, we will start to have... Uh, uh, it will be more and more difficult to improve working capital. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, we are expecting to grow our service business, which requires more inventory uh, and so on. So, uh, so I would not expect a big uh, support from working capital in 2018. Uh, so I would say um, at this point in time, I don't think we have the big expectations on, uh, on, on any of these, what you can say, uh, the volatile lines in the cash flow state, and with the exception of uh, provisions where we will pay out some of the uh, uh, the provisions that we we took in discontinued operations in 17. So a minus on, on Delta in provisions. Is that like these 200 million or what's the magnitude of that? That's uh, the 200 million we talked about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Yuan Eliasson from Kepler Shudra. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Yes, uh, could you update us on, on the divestment process of bulk? Are we getting any closer to, to a deal done? And then coming back to the cash flow again, um, I heard what you said about the uh, profile this year, uh, services to grow implying you don't expect big changes in networking capital to sales ratio going forward. But is there any, any other things that have changed if we assume that equipment eventually starts to, to come through on, on a growth path? Um, will that still uh, be positive for the networking capital pay-up, or, or are you seeing a changed uh, payment pattern for, for, for equipment in cement or, or minerals? Thank you. Um, thank you, Johan. The first question was regarding the bulk material handling business, what we announced quite a while ago to divest. We are uh, in intense sales uh, process with it. And, um, of course, it is a difficult time uh, when you are at a trough um, to sell uh, that business. I have to say that because uh, we got orders during the sales process, what we, of course, have a high focus to finalize in a very a perfect manner. The sales process is ongoing and we are confident to finalize that in the near future. Okay. Yeah, and to answer your question on the cash flow statement, it is still the case that if we start to get big projects, in particular in mining, that will help our cash flow. We do not expect a big growth on cement capital projects in 18, so a more sideways moving in that, so that's neutral from a cash flow point of view. So positive from big projects, but as, we, uh, as we've said a number of times, uh, service and product sales is an area that we are focusing very much on growing, uh, and that requires more uh, working capital. So you have a, yeah, a positive help from big projects in mining and a negative uh, from uh, product companies as well as service. Good, but you're not seeing any change in the... Uh payment method for the big projects? Uh, no, not at all. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Lars Topholm from Carnegie. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Yes, congrats with a good quarter. A couple of questions on, on my side. 
Uh, w- w- one goes to, to your balance sheet because now you are below one times net debt to EBITDA. Uh, presumably you have a cash flow which is positive and presumably your EBITDA will go up. So I just wonder what your thoughts are on potentially doing more in terms of uh, 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 redistributing cash to, to shareholders. Is it unrealistic to assume share buybacks, maybe not this year, but then 19, or what is your view there? Then on uh, the minerals division, I wonder if you can put some words on what incremental margin we could expect if you are lucky enough to win some large orders. Uh, will will it initially have full gross margin impact on EBITAR, or to what extent do you expect to have to ramp up OPEX? And a related question, because uh, I think Thomas, you, you you mentioned there were, uh, you know, more uh, projects in the pipeline. Uh, my question is whether there are any actual tenders taking place on larger uh, mining projects, or if uh, you maybe can can put a time frame on when when is it realistic to expect the first larger mining order? Thanks. Hey Lars, thanks for the questions. Um, at first with the share buyback, uh, it is true that we have the gearing down, um, which is good. We like to see that. Um, we have uh, announced years back a clear policy how we deploy uh, money and organic growth M&A is before share buyback. And that is where we look into. Organic growth has a higher priority. Then M&A is definitely on the list. Um, we had that with the mining systems part uh, in November. Um, and share buyback, um, yeah, that is so low in the priority that we don't foresee it um, in 2018. Um, we have to, yeah, ask us again later in the year or so how the whole the whole thing develops, and then we can give more clear picture for 2019. But I have to repeat, uh, share buyback uh, is uh, very low on priority. Uh, so, just to follow up, what is the Prospects of you doing M&A within the next 12 months, is that realistic? Are you looking um, at anything in particular? Yeah, of course we look. The, uh, of course we look. And um, uh, we look in quite a lot of directions uh, if it comes to M&A. And um, as you saw with the, the part of Sandvik Mining Systems, what we acquired, we are definitely willing to go into business where we see that from an organic point of view, uh, it is too costly or too long-term, too, too much time um, to establish that what we can achieve with a M&A target. Um, you, your question is very valid because uh, we are not targeting into an area where we would acquire a company and then to sell off 80% to a third party because we only need 20. So the amount of uh, targets and the specification of targets is actually quite specific. Um, then I take the... Uh, 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 if we, we answer a question on uh, how much would we get from, uh, from growth in, in minerals, uh, the minerals organization we have today is sized for a bigger business than, uh, than we have today. So, uh, so we can actually add quite a bit of, uh, of volume into that organization uh, and get uh, the entire 18% uh, to the bottom line. And that's also why we are very pleased with uh, the pricing discipline that our colleagues have had in, in the minerals team. Uh, it is. We will have to add a little bit of uh, sales costs if uh, we start to get uh, 
significant uh, pickup in uh, in tender activity, um, but the majority of the the gross margin will flow to the bottom line. Then the tender activity, um, how it looks like with large uh, things in the in the mining industry, it's all about how you define it actually. From from my point of view, uh, in a fertilizer or in lithium. Uh, an order over 40, 50 million dollar, it's very large based on that, what, what that scope is. For copper, of course, uh, you would, um, that, put that bar higher. There are some tenders out. There is a, or feasibility studies finalized and with that de facto tenders in the market. The question is how quick then, um, all the other business around, you know that, uh, out of large mining, um, investments, the infrastructure part is a big, big portion, and that takes normally a little bit longer time, um, that these things are then coming into an, an order intake for this year. There are some areas uh, in the industry that are floating uh, comments about several countries around. We are definitely part of all these things, too. So we are not... I'm also... Please. I'm also asking, because if we look at some of the projects that may come up, uh, Los Pilamblas expansions, for example, that, that is still not officially approved, and Sufagasta is waiting for an environmental permit for a desalination plant, but uh, they also indicate they want to be able to go on stream basically by 2020. So, so are there projects which may not be in a tender, but where the potential customers already trying to lock in subsuppliers, or is that just optimistic thinking on my side? Yeah. No, it's not optimistic thinking. The, um, uh, without disclosing where we, where we work on and where not, um, what we are not allowed, as you know, the um, fact is that uh, the miners all know that there are long lead items and things what we supply, and there they are, of course, more looking into how that works out with delivery times. Then there are orders, not only for us, for PS2, what we actually got years back, and they were parked or stalled, and they get, there is talk about reactivation. Um, 2000, to make it like that, 2018 will be not marked as a year with a lot of large orders, but I'm damn sure it will be marked with a year with some large orders. Okay, thank you. Thanks for taking my questions. Thank you, Lars. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Klaus Kiel from New Credit Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Uh, yes, hello. Um, also, um, a question about these um, mining orders. Um, first of all, um, could you give us any comments on the order intake in, in mining here in the beginning of 18? And the reason why I'm asking is that, uh, yeah, the majority of the mining companies, they have just uh, released their uh, CapEx budgets for uh, for 18. That would be my, my first question. Yeah, uh, you know, I can't give specific comments. The the, um, uh, especially uh, about larger orders because it's very public everything and then customers uh, would be not pleased if you could make queries into some of our clients. Um, that's not, not, not possible. But when we, yes, when we see the year 2018 starting, it started on a, on a reasonable okay level for the year. Um, of course, 
There you have to calculate in how, how much conservative I am or not. Um, it is definitely better than 2016, which was the worst ever. Um, but I make it like that. It's a moderate uh, business improvement what we see throughout the year 2018 and what we see at or what we saw at the beginning of the year supports that. Okay. Um, thank you. And then um, a question related to your to your guidance and just to be just to be sure, do you do you actually mean that you could hit the high end of, of the guided range, let's say twenty billion in sales and an EBITDA margin of ten percent based on your current backlog and based on a, a steady flow of small orders here in, in, in this year? meaning that you do not need a big mining order in order to reach the high end. Is that correctly understood? The uh, big mining orders, what we get from now on, or let's assume we get them, um, will not have an impact on the revenue in 2018. There is at first an engineering, which is not a big uh, revenue part, before it really then uh, gets into the supply of equipment, which then would generate quite a lot of revenue. If we would get an order in February, for example, that would then hit the revenue line mainly 2019 onwards. Then to the high end of the guidance. Of course, when you make the high end of the guidance, you assume a quite better development in the business for the year 2018 versus your middle line what you put. And that's not only minerals. Cement has to deliver then better too. And, of course, in the actual situation that the FX effect, effect is um, not, negative effect is not there or slightly supporting uh, to reach the high end of the guidance. Then to the EBITDA guidance, of course, we have a very good leverage in the, in the cost structure, what we have. A higher revenue drives definitely a higher EBITDA. We have quite, as Lars described it very well, um, quite a lot can drop uh, to a big extent to the bottom line if you get a higher revenue. It's not both automatically combined, the higher end of the revenue and the high end of the, of the EBITDA. Mm. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Andrew Wilson from JP Morgan. Please go ahead, your line is open. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I've just got a few questions, uh, just starting on cement, actually. Um, Thomas, the, the cement commentary in terms of market conditions changed a little bit in the, the Q3 compared to earlier in the year. Can you just sort of give us a sense of, if you're characterizing the Q4, is it a very similar message to the Q3, um, or has it changed from kind of the view, I guess, three months or so ago? Yes. Um, thank you, Andrew. The, the message in Q3... Um, was that we are still coming out of the trough in cement and that there's still growth, but significance or on a slower pace than before. And that was, of course, and we knew that, negatively taken. We have the same situation. It's a stable business. It's a side walk, as you call it. Um, cement, and I have to say that, that's, um, and that is not to deploy uh, hope for the future, Salmon generally grows the same as the GDP grows in the world. We have at the moment 
definitely a lower growth rate in salmon than the GDP growth in the world. Anytime that gap gets closed, that's clear. So the outlook mid to long term from our point of view is quite positive. But we see that salmon is lagging versus the GDP growth. Versus the Q3, no change in the comment, still coming out of the trough on the same pace as we communicated in quarter three. Then to the profitability and what you see that we had an increase of the profitability at the year end. And that is purely out of internal, out of internal measurements and out of internal activities to get the profitability up. The pricing pressure in cement is ongoing and awful. And I said it before, we are in the premium part, the market leader in the world. And we are, there are quite a lot of people hunting us in the total cement business. And when, as we had it, uh, the most successful year of vertical roller mill sales in 2017, where we hit, of course, some of our peers in their core, uh, will definitely not make that life easier if it comes to pricing. Maybe I can just follow up on the, the specifics within cement. On the, the service and the aftermarket side, um, I think sort of similar to the, the commentary on, on, I guess, the market more generally in cement, the Q3, it felt like it had been a difficult quarter from an aftermarket perspective. Um, so reading the commentary, it looks like that's at least kind of stabilizing is maybe slightly improving in terms of, of cement aftermarket. I mean, is that a, a reasonable way to think about sort of Cement aftermarket, the quarter four was uh, better than the quarter three, but we have, of course, in the cement aftermarket, some lamp, some business with refurbishment and so on in. If it slips into the quarter, you have a better leverage, so better profitability. If it slips over in the next quarter, then you have that hit in it. So you have to combine both quarters, and then you see better how the picture is and how we see it going into uh, 2018. We see we have a good momentum on cement. We have actually have quite a, quite a good momentum because we were growing in 16 quite a lot. And that, as we said, in 16 and 17, it will level out because we are already quite a power in it. On top of it, um, we promise to the market we invest more in wear parts and we are on on a good way to get more leverage in the wear part business too, which is a big part in mining, but uh, to a smaller extent in cement too. So to make a long story short, the business in the aftermarket, what we see in cement, floats from the third, fourth quarter combined into 2018 in the same speed and level. Um, that's perfect. And um, you've also just set up my final question just on wear parts. Um, there's clearly been a real focus at FLS to try and to try and drive this wear parts business, and at the same time we've been hearing some some of you know I guess your what would be competitors having a difficult time in terms of pricing and and raw material inflation and passing that through to customers in in some parts of the market. You know, does that affect your thinking around the opportunity in wear parts? And I do appreciate you coming from a very different place, but can you just sort of I guess frame your strategy within wear parts? versus obviously some of the kind of the more challenging market conditions we're hearing, please. The, you know, uh, Andrew, we look to our customers. The, um, what the peers are doing, um, um, that's their thing, and uh, uh, I, will not, I will not comment on that. Important is that we look to our clients, and the wear parts are an essential part of the productivity improvement. 
And we are not going into the market to say, oh, now we, we run against a competitor. It is really to increase the share of wallet, the share what we can sell to our clients as a package out of process, product, and service competence, which includes the wear parts. And that is what we drive. We don't see um, that uh, a pricing pressure or, or anything like that, but we come from a nil line into a few percentage points now. And when we go into these wear parts, it's part of the productivity improvement part. We are not selling bits and pieces, cost plus. We are selling productivity. And when you do that value-based selling, then, then uh, uh, anything of these interferences is not so much visible for us. Thanks, Thomas. Thank you. Before going on to the next question, I would like to remind all participants to please press zero one if you have a question. And our next question comes from the line of Magnus Kruber from UBS. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi, Thomas Lars Magnus from UBS here. Uh, congratulations to a good, good end of the year, and, uh, and thanks uh, for taking my questions. Uh, first, on, um, on the, the minerals business, I mean, we have seen now, I think, six quarters with fairly solid growth in the, among the upstream OEMs, and uh, recently I've heard comments about uh, uh, stabilizing demand um, or market, uh, market activity on a high level, which leads me to, to believe that we will sort of see a still relatively good uh, order intake through, through um, 2018. Uh, that's about a two-year two investment cycle for, for, for the uh, or a replacement cycle. Do, do you see sort of the investment um, or replacement cycle playing out in a similar way for you, the, the growth profile? The, uh, what we see is um, a moderate growth in, in the minerals activities for 2018. We heard and we got actually verbalized face-to-face -face, in written with um, uh, reports that the uh, CapEx spend is slightly higher in 18 than it was in 17, which is the first time uh, since I'm in Herbert Schmidt that we have that nice picture. But I really would like to send here a message. It's a moderate growth. It's no need to get bullish. And if it's replacement business or what we call island solutions where you replace a complete, uh, for example, a complete mill or grinding, not only the, the equipment in itself, a whole setup, um, there is it's not really replacement. It is productivity improvement investment. They are not satisfied with the performance of that what they have today, and they would like to get it replaced with something which performs better. It's not enough to replace with exactly the same what you have to, uh, 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 today. So that replacement cycle in that way is not really, not really uh, working out. If you only have the same what you had five, ten years ago, to replace that what they what our customers have today, you have a problem against companies like F. H. Schmidt coming from the productivity part. But again, it's uh, positive how the minerals outlook it is, but it's a moderate growth in it. Got it. Thank you very much for the extra color. And uh, how is the integration of the Sandvik mining systems business progressing? And, and what, what do you see for the outlook in, in that part of the value chain? The integration works very well. We are very pleased to have new colleagues on board. Top competences uh, combined with our existing top competences 
it's actually working very well and uh, it goes very smooth. And of course, there is a momentum out in the market, which helps too. And um, yeah, uh, was a good move. We are very happy. Brilliant also. And uh, some bookkeeping questions. Can you give us a, an, 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 a sense for what we should expect on tax for 2018? <clears throat> on uh, on taxes, uh, we uh, expect to have a, a P&L charge of around 29%. or oh, around 30%. That was very specific there. 29. <laughs> Perfect. Got it. Thank you very much. And, and, and finally, is there any way you can provide some some um, uh, some color on, on the facing of the ramp up in R&D spend that you mentioned? So what what we should we expect it to to normalize that and sort of over? R&D spend. Um, actually, we are not talking about uh, R&D spend high or low or so. We have um, uh, an R&D spend, which is driven by that what we see as a demand out in the market. So in reality, we are not saying this is the amount and look what you can do with it. It's more what do we need to do and what is the prioritization in it and out of that, what are the costs against it? Um, so with that saying, we have definitely a high focus on the innovation part. We think that for years we are at a turning point for both industries going from building big and cost efficient into building productivity improving, life cycle, digital. And that's a different setup. Um, like the standardization, the modularization. Because R&D innovation is for us to pick up existing equipment, to redesign it for the better purpose. It's not only to develop new things, no matter that we are always proud if something completely new comes to the market. And that spend we don't foresee getting lower. Mm. Now that makes sense. With that approach, it doesn't make sense to, to, to guide for a specific level. But what do you see for 18 specifically? I guess you have some idea what to yeah we, we, yeah, we say normally what we have as an, a direct uh, R&D spend, which is normally between 1% to 1.5%. But when you look into that, what, or say it's, uh, what we in reality really uh, spend is we have an integrated front line, for example, with our O&M business, where we have a direct link into our R&D, and you, you can't monitor that in, uh, into, how to say, in one line in the report. And we open the door for all our colleagues to do more in that direction and to have more ideas and getting, getting products and services out of it. Brilliant. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. As there appear to be no further questions at this time, I'll return the conference to the speakers. Yes. Thank you very much um, for participating here in the webcast and I wish you all the best and safe travel and hope to see or hear, hear something from you soon. Goodbye.